Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My preferred term for what I do is prostitute. Everyone sort of likes to say sex worker and no yeah. prostitute stigmatized, but I personally get off on, you know, that look of horror on someone's face <laughs> when they're like, "So, what do you do?" You know, with the hairdressing salon yeah. or something, and I'm like, oh, "No, I'm a prostitute." Once I got in a lot of trouble with prostitutes. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. It was as a consequence of an interview on the ABC um, in which I said that I worked in the sex industry in the late 90s and I ended up very afraid of prostitutes. And in particular, I said I was afraid of junkie prostitutes. Now, that went down like a shit sandwich to be honest. So I, ever since then, I've thought, oh God, I've got to connect with a sort of a modern day sex worker because things have changed so much. And finally, I found this beautiful lady who was in town and prepared to talk. Her name is Madison Messina. This conversation is is pretty much unedited because I just wanted to give her the chance to say everything she wanted to say, and most importantly, I did not want to get in trouble again. I'm Michelle Laurie, and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee: Conversations about the guts and the glory of life. I, I worked in brothels in the late '90s. I was a receptionist here in Melbourne, yep. and I just noticed uh, in the last couple of years things have changed so much since then. Yeah, the environment is almost unrecognisable. I mean, I started work. Ooh, 2001, 2002, so 14. So that was around about、ago. the time I left.、Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's different now. We're seeing a lot more、um, private-based sex workers,、um, which is really good.、Um, there's been a big shift away from brothels and and things because you know, I'm not a massive fan of the brothel environment either, as I'm sensing you aren't really. Oh no! Look, <laughs> I, I was, and I also thought it was the safest environment for workers. But is that not? Um. Look. The, Brothels have got pros and cons to it. I, you know, ultimately, like they're long shifts.、Um, there's less、um, power for the girls to choose their clients because、yeah. you need to sort of be there and and see the men. Also,、um, sometimes there can be pressure because from the owners or the receptionists were on like commissions and stuff. And so sometimes I might say to you, "Can you please do this guy because I need to get another booking or something like that?" So、yeah. there was a bit of coercion, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And look, I understand why you might think that I'm not a fan of brothels because I have copped a lot of heat for being whorephobic or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
when I was asked about it, I think I didn't think much about my answer. Yeah. For, and, you know, that was, I don't know, sensational, I guess, in retrospect. Well, yeah, most things, you know, involving the sex industry are fairly sensational yes. anyway, which sort of started the whole protest. Um, but from, from memory, um, you were, when it all happened, you mentioned that, you know, the sex industry wasn't perfect and that there were people in it that did things like rob other girls and, yeah. and all of that. And I think it's important that as sex workers, we do acknowledge that, you know, the industry does have its downside and it's got bad people in it, but what industry doesn't have it? You know, yeah. I've worked in corporate jobs and things like that and, and I've seen, you know, terrible stuff go on. Yeah, you're there. right. So the sex yeah. industry isn't different because no. of that. But the things that have changed that I've observed mm. back then, for one thing, this was the late 90s in Melbourne and there was like such a heroin thing going on in Melbourne at that time. There was a lot of heroin around town. And so in the sex industry, there was a lot of heroin. And I'm not I'm not thinking for a moment that that was extraordinary. It was just kind of big everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It was big in the club scene, was big everywhere. And so I did... I did find mostly, um, I wouldn't say most girls were stealing from each other at all, but it was certainly a constant thing. Mm -hmm. It was like ev literally every day, every night, accusations, fights, it's, you know, and like you can be sitting in a lounge with a girl and like her and love her for months and then she'll break into the brothel and steal the safe. So that was what I walked away with. Yeah, yeah, know? and yeah, fair enough, you know, because I, I have seen that happen and, you know, I've had sex workers that have been my flatmates in the past and I've gotten home from work to find out that I have been robbed. In my day, sex workers didn't want to be public. They didn't want, it was like really super secretive. Yeah. And no one would admit to enjoying sex work on any level. In fact, I met one girl called Suzanne. And I remember her because she was stunning and great and fun. And, and, and she was the only person I ever met who said, I love this work. Mm. I don't want to stop doing this. Yeah. Mm. So, but that seems to have changed a lot. Now there are so many women like you in social media saying, well, what are you saying about it? What, what keeps you working? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm quite privileged these days. Um, in that, you know, I've got my own business. I control everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite empowered and, you know, I love my clients. I, I love every part of it, you know, and it's it's an industry whilst, you know, when I did initially join it when I was 18, I actually had no other options. I had to leave home very quickly with no money and thank God the brothel was there to catch me. Um, so, you know, the fact that it's um, helped me throughout, you know, the last 14 years build up the rest of my life and give me choices, I'm grateful for that. So now I try to give back and, um, and do what I can. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's hard to, to put a finger on exactly what I love about it. Um, well, let's start with the things that women like me would assume you'd hate about it. Like I okay, would think yeah. I could never be a sex worker because I don't want to have sex with strangers. Oh, okay. I find that a thrill. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, there's always something and, you know, it, it, it dies down now because I, I've done it so much, but, you know being taken by surprise by people. So you may get a client that's, you know, unattractive or fat and you, you look at him or, you know, looks like your grandpa um, and you're like, oh God, I can't believe I'm about to do this. And then they just turn out to be phenomenal, awesome, gentle men, you know, that mm. just bless your life, um, you know, or you might get, um, you know, that hot guy that you wanted to pick up in the club, he might book you and then he'll turn out to be a total sleazeball. And you're right. like, ah, oh. you know, so it's it's really opened my life up to realise that, you know, can't judge a book by a cover. 
And, you know, some of the... Um, some of the best sex I've had are with people that I have not been physically attracted to on wow. any level. And that is something that I, I don't know why. Maybe it's something about my sexuality, but it's, you know, something awesome that I love. I think maybe you, well, not maybe, you you explore your sexuality more than most people, more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't have enough experiences to know that, to know that sometimes you can have great sex with someone you're not physically attracted to. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I guess the other thing that, that I, that I would think that would put me off is, is it degrading to be a prostitute? Is that like, yeah, you know, does, yeah. does that ever get to you? The, no. the mythology of that? No. I mean, in, you know, back when I was sort of in my early 20s and I, I was still a disclosed, I, I've only been, you know, sort of out in public and speaking about it since sort of 2012. So I was, you know, I was nearly 30 at that time. So it did take me a long time to get comfortable and, and to start speaking out. Um, and we have a thing in the industry called internalized horophobia. And that's when we listen to the views of society and we project that into ourselves. So, you know, I, I dealt with all the same issues of, you know, I, how am I going to get a boyfriend? How am I going to explain to a boyfriend, you know, what I'm doing? And, you know, all of that makes it hard. And, and that's what makes it degrading. Mm. But in terms of being a sex worker and, and being with my clients, I mean, even when I've had um, a bad client, for instance, that's booked me and then sat there for the whole booking saying like, you know, oh, you've got a, a, a lump of fat there. You know, there's cellulite there. Look at your boobs. They're not exactly even. And yeah, it, really? this, this happens. And, um, you know, when I have, um, and I don't get it anymore. This is back in, in brothel days that I would get these type of clients. I used to just sit there and think, well, you know, you're the one that booked me. You chose me out of the lineup. Mm. You know, you're the one paying me. I don't have to be here. Um, that's all kind of on them, you know. And, and that kind of then this, you know, whole um, empathy came out because I, I would notice that, you know, men would pick flaws in my body where their bodies weren't perfect. And so mm. it really was any of that about me. So, I, no. you know, I don't experience the job as degrading whatsoever. And I kind of like, um, it's why, I, you know, my preferred term for what I do is prostitute. You know, everyone in wow. in the industry, everyone sort of likes to say sex worker and no yeah. prostitute stigmatized. But I personally get off on, you know, that look of horror on someone's face when they're like, so what do you do? You know, with the hairdressing salon yeah. or something. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm a prostitute. And, you know, they're wow. like, oh, like I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love wow. that, you know, as a breaking that um, stigma. And, you know, and people will always say, I would never guess that, you know, you look like the girl next door. Yeah. You look normal. And, yeah. yeah. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, well, most of us are, you know, yeah. you don't know how many sex workers that have walked in and out of your life. You know, we. Yep generally walk through invisibly. Yeah. Mums at school, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, old school friends of yours. Yeah. I did learn that, that, that sex workers or prostitutes do come from every suburb, every walk of life, yeah. every family, every kind yeah. of family. When guys, just go to go back to a guy picking all your flaws. Yes. It, that sounds to me like someone who's for whatever reason paid money to try and hurt you or try and insult you for whatever reason they have. Mm. And that sounds scary to me. Like, yeah. it, does that happen much? And 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 then even onto physical. Yeah. Well, sort of trying to inflict physical pain on you. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got a part of the sexuality S and M, and that is all about power and control and coercion. And I have had S and M clients, and you know, I'm a bit 
um, in my sexuality, I've got it as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I love pushing boundaries. My favorite thing to do is find out what someone doesn't want to like happen to them and and then to make them want it. (laughs) (laughs) Really get off on that. So I kind of understand the men that are trying to do that. And, Mm. you know, so from my perspective, I don't find that scary. I find that exciting but that's just me and that's not every girl Mm. um and some girls do uh you know get traumatized when those things happen and and that's why we have you know we've got our own reporting systems where you know amongst the community when we identify a client that's particularly like that so that other girls can you know choose not to see them and and be protected that way because ultimately you know sex work um you know we're not paid to be abused or to have our boundaries pushed or to be put in pain um, so, you know, we've all definitely got the power. So we, we do have systems. And you have the power to negotiate, isn't it? That's what it's all about. It's about, you yeah. just, they have to tell you what they're after. And if you are prepared to do that, you tell them a price for it. And that's how it should work. Yeah, exactly. And there's a common misconception out there that because I'm a sex worker, I have to have sex with the client. I have to do it the way he wants yes. it. And you know, that's totally not true. You know, I choose the positions. If, if the guy is doing something to me, even if it's something I've agreed to, and I'm not particularly liking it, I say no, like that's, you know, and a big thing in, um, in my job and in like all my advertising, I always say, you know, you're not paying me to fake. That's a fantasy and that costs extra. Yeah, so, right. You know, yeah. If you're doing something to me and it's not working for me, I'm going to tell you. And at the end of the day, most clients are there because they want a great sexual experience. They don't want to be doing things to someone that's like a blow up doll or is just like bearing, like grinning, like gritting their teeth to that's get it. through it. That's you know, it. It's just really not the environment. Because that's what I always think about why women don't, hire escorts much because I th- I think that we don't ever want to have sex with someone who's not there because they want to have sex with us yeah whereas men seem to be able to d- suspend that disbelief a little bit and but but the service you're offering is that you won't fake anything is that if mm-hmm. if you look like you're enjoying it you're enjoying it exactly so I get why exactly. that would b- be great for a guy yeah 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 particularly a girl who's had a lot of sex for them to make <laughs> to feel like they're doing something that that makes you happy must feel great yeah for them exactly back to that reporting of of troublesome clients and men we in Melbourne call them ugly mugs do yes, you call it that's that? yeah that's the industry term Adrian Bailey who was recently convicted of Jill Mars murder he was an ugly mug he was on the list yeah. for months beforehand and he had raped a lot of prostitutes and a lot of people don't understand how you can do that yeah, a raping prostitute. Right, it goes back to what you were saying a minute ago about the fact that you are in charge and anything that you don't want to happen is... Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things like, you know, I've been raped by clients and um, I even went to the process like of pressing charges against a client, but the DPP decided at the last minute not to run my case because I was a sex worker and he didn't wow. think that the jury could understand consent. And, you know, I've, I always think that that, whole argument is crap you know we understand consent you know we negotiate like most people in their normal sexual lives don't have conversations about consent and sex consent Mm. is normally something that you know and and someone will start kissing you'll be sexual and if you don't say no that's consent well in our world that's not it at all you know we talk also in the real world it's not and so actually you could be you know your case for example could have really brought to light that conversation that it's an ongoing negotiation Mm -hmm. that at any time a woman is allowed to say no any woman yeah is allowed to stop what's happening exactly Wow. So, yeah, and there's a, another element too, you know, we've we've got um, situations where clients will come in 
um, and then not pay for their services. Mm. And, you know, that's one of those things that you often see on Twitter is that theft or fraud or rape. And, you know, ultimately we all think it that's rape because that's obtaining sex by deceit because um, we wouldn't have, you know, most of us, like as much as I love sex and all that, majority of the time I'm not going to consent to have sex with someone unless money is exchanged. Um, that's a big part of it for me. So I'm not freely giving consent if someone has ripped me off. Mm. Um, so, but so you know, how does that how does that work? If you're you're not in a brothel, you're wherever you are, yeah, working, and um, you've made the arrangement for him to come there. Mm-hmm. You don't get the money up front. Well, no, I do. Yes. but um, there are some instances where girls, for whatever reason, you know, the man has wanted to extend and said, "I'll pay this yes. into your bank account," or. Um, he's paid with um, fake money. There was one instance where a client filled an envelope with paper and told the girl not to open it because he didn't want to destroy the romance. Oh, wow. And, it, you know, <gasps> that was – so those things happen, and, and I'm very particular. I mean, even with my regulars that I've known for years, I'm like, no, we, we do this up front because I'm serious. Yeah. I will go to the police, and I need to protect you, so we're going to make sure everything is, is fine. Um, so, and that's one of those things, you know, working, um, being private based sex worker, it's up to each individual sex worker to how she, you know, he or she chooses to run their business. Um, but mm. generally, you know, the industry standards, the best thing is to, cause you, you can't really refund sex. No, you can't. You can't no. make it not happen. And also, I mean, let's talk about the romance, you know, to pay at the end is, is, you know, not as, not as nice, I guess, as. By that stage, being able to have a kiss and a cuddle in the doorway and yeah, exactly, on your way, exactly, yeah. After a great experience, yeah. I'm Michelle Laurie, and you are right in the middle of the nitty gritty committee. Thank you for downloading. It's all brought to you by Car City Ringwood. Um, are you prepared to talk about your family situation? Why yeah. you had to leave so suddenly? Oh yeah, look, I um I grew up in a domestically violent situation, and um you know, and I, I was one of those girls. Um, that, you know, as a child, I remember when I was nine finding out about the sex industry and thinking that was great and really? reading history books and, you know, I always knew I was going. Really? Yeah. Um, and because, you know, I, with my circumstances, um, and I don't hate the people that raised me by any means, but I wasn't able to have, you know, a normal um, you know, a normal upbringing or go to uni or have the opportunities mm-hmm. that other children did um so yeah so it, it basically and it just crescendoed and there's a there was a point in in my um just before my first shift at a brothel where you know I just said to myself it's, it's time for me to get myself out of this you know I need to now take control and you know I'm willing to do whatever it takes to um stand up for me and mm-hmm. that's what you know put me into the brothel in that first instance and what was your sexuality like before then I mean had you so you knew you wanted to be a prostitute. Yeah. How did you work up to that? You, you know, as a teenage girl, did you think I better get practicing or like? <laughs> well, no, I, at that stage, you know, I, I didn't actually, because I, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't understand sex or sexual no. development, you know, and, and I like, I lost my virginity when I was 15. And I remember having sex for probably about the first two years thinking, is this it? <laughs> like, like, do do women actually think this is fun? Like, I'm just doing this to keep him happy. Yeah. I, there's no pleasure. I got no idea what's happening. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I don't think I was even aroused half the time. It was just, you know, and that's not because my boyfriend was 
you know, horrible or bad. I think it was just because I wasn't entirely sexual yet. And, yes. you know, moving into sex work in my early career, I, I wasn't aroused, you know, I'd, I'd have to, I went through so much lube and, you know, <laughs> I became a great actress and, yeah. you know, I didn't do that. But moving into my 30s now, like, like 30s is awesome. You know, yeah. I love aging because yes. sex just yeah great aging is great yeah. yeah but do you worry about that in the sex industry I mean do you ever think about how long you can work well yeah you know and and this is the other thing like growing growing up you know everyone talks about the shelf life yes you know yes. and you better get out of it by your 25 whatever and you know I'm I'm 32 now and in many ways I'm actually at the peak of my career mm. You know, I'm the most successful I've ever had. I'm the most confident with what's going on. Mm. I have the most amount of regular clients. You're very youthful as well, you know. may I say. I yes, think you look like you. 22, 23. Thank you're very you. attractive. So it's like you're at this great apex of looks and smarts. Yes. Isn't it? Yes, yeah, the perfect time of yeah. life for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've just got to keep this going um, for as long as possible. But, you know, you, there are older sex workers. Yep. You know, I know sex workers that are in their 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, you know, stories of sex workers that are in their 60s and 70s, never met one personally. I had a but... girlfriend who was in her 60s yeah. and still working, but she was only, she was down to a small handful of regulars. Yeah. And that's what, what worries me, uh, you mm. know, is that I, I saw this beautiful lady who uh, of a Sunday, she and I'd be the only ones in the brothel. I'd take my dog and we'd have a nice little day together. Yeah. And she'd sometimes have to... F- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com own regs and try and get them to come in because you know she needed the cash yeah yeah and 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 that's tough and it you know it's it's on my mind in in that you know at the moment whilst I've got such a great business going that I do need to prepare that you know retirement will come for me in terms of sex work Mm. earlier um but there's other ways to grow and you know evolve through the industry going ahead Mm. and becoming madams and managers um you know owning agencies yeah there's there's other alternatives out there for me and you know one of the um things that i've had since whilst i've been a a sex worker every year i go and try and learn another qualification so you know by the time i retire i'll I'll have that many (laughs) what have you got it'll be fine what have you got so far um i've got a bachelor of social science i'm a mediator i'm a sex therapist counselor hair and makeup artist and a massage therapist and Got some business stuff in You're there fine. too. <laughs> You're so fine. Wow. Yeah, you are. When I was in the industry, you you would have been the real sort of minority 
Mm. Uh, for so many reasons, but it feels like now you're not. It feels like, well, certainly all I know now is from Twitter and social media where there seems to be a lot of women who are proudly out and sex workers. There's those campaigns, hashtag um, faces of prostitution, where people are being open and saying this is the face of a prostitute. Um, I'm not your rescue project. Yes, I love that hashtag. Tell me about that. Yeah, Um, there's this big phenomenon like everyone in society seems to want to confuse sex trafficking with sex work okay and you know ultimately yes it's sex in exchange for money but one's a crime and one's a profession and society likes to you know take away my voice as a as a sex worker who freely chooses her job and loves it because a sex traffic victim exists and I've yes. never understood this. We, we think you're all doing it against your will. Exactly. That is actually the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah. We just assume that no one wants to be a prostitute. So I should help all these poor girls. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's quite offensive because when, when I'm speaking up to an abolitionist um, or a rescue officer and saying, no, I don't want to be rescued. You know, <laughs> I love what I'm doing. What I want is, is rights. I, I want to live a life free from discrimination. I'd love to be able to openly tell everyone you know, I'm a sex worker. I'd like for my, you know, um, sexual assault cases to be tried at court. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to be treated like every other person. You know, I don't want to be criminalized. I don't want my clients to be criminalized. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and also to like the whole argument um, that, you know, because sex trafficking exists, we shouldn't exist. It, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's like saying because domestic violence exists, let's get rid of marriage. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's just, it's just wrong. And and also, you know, sex trafficking does exist. But whilst we're not looking at defining what sex trafficking is, working out who the victims are or how to help them, yeah. these, you know, these victims are going, you know, unnoticed and without help because everyone's looking at the sex industry and having this big fight. Yeah. And, and it's like, what is what are we achieving? Do the rescue organisations actually want to rescue traffic victims or do they just want to take away our choice? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's what this all is about. Because as a sex worker, you know, we're, we're the ones that are on the ground. We're the ones that are going to see the sex traffic victims. And, you know, I've never in my 14, 15 years, however long it's been now, I've never come across a sex traffic victim. And I know some of the girls that are referred to in the media as being sex trafficked victims. And, you know, they're migrant workers that have come across from Asia, Eastern Europea, um, Europe, because our sex industry here is great. You know, we've got great pay rates. We've got free sexual health services. You know, there's there's so much things for our industry. It's so much better for them at home. And, you know, yes, they come here and work and they send money home to support their families and, you know, raise their children and, and all of that. They, they very much choose to be here. Mm. And yet the media all the time is no they're an illegal brothel and illegal workers and yeah and it's like no that's not actually their story could you listen to me to them? i guess it's so hard to understand to me the idea of a woman leaving her home and her family behind to work in the sex industry in another country and send money back feels terrible and wrong and tragic and i should do anything i can do to help her not have to do that i don't understand it's so hard because yeah. you know what it's like everything else because i don't know them personally hey well, exactly, but also too, you know, to understand the types of situations. I mean, they're living in Europe in a small one-bedroom apartment that doesn't even have a toilet with mm. three generations of families, and there's no way for this family to earn money because it's, it's horrible, you know. So, so it feels so like she's being pushed into to, the sex industry. 
well, buy that. You could, well, yeah, by economic circumstance. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, but is the is the right way to help her to tell cut her off from her only, mm. you know, and that family's ability to survive? Or should yeah. we do something more at a political level and actually try and solve the economic situation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and because I, I get that all the time, you know, when I got published on Mamma Mia!, Everyone, um, well, a few commenters would say, you know, I'm living a fairy tale. You know, um, there are women that are forced into prostitution because of, mm-hmm. you know, economic circumstance. And I'm like, why does that even matter? Plenty of, of women and mums and even, you know, men have to go and, and be checkout chicks at Woolies because of economic yep. circumstances. You know, ultimately, most of us have to work. Yeah. Why is that an lots of argument people, against us? At least you know. Yeah, lots of people do work they hate and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it, it also you know it's confusing from a feminist perspective. But but then but then I listen to you talk and I think well surely the point of feminism is that every woman should be allowed to do what she wants to do. Yeah, yeah. This is what you want to do. And sitting with you, it's very easy because I can see that you're a great smart woman who knows what she's doing and likes it and is making mm. a great life for herself. But mm. we get these images in our mind of yeah. people we don't know. We create images of yeah. poor, put upon, exactly. trafficked women who are being forced into sexual slavery. And yeah. yeah. And that's the reason why. And that happens in the world, but it doesn't happen to everyone. And why should you be penalised? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Am exactly. I getting it? You are getting it. You are getting it. And and that's why Faces of Prostitution was started by Tilly Lawless because, you know, we are so sick of, you know, sex worker or prostitute in the media and then the picture of someone, a, a victim of sex trafficking, you know? Yes. All this, like, it's, it's just, it's it's not an accurate depiction. It's yeah. not what's going on. And it's or a all tragic being... heroin addicted woman on the street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and... Like street workers, for instance, that's a, an interesting side of the industry. You know, they are our most visual. Yes. Um, they're our most vulnerable. They're the ones that they do have the highest uh, substance abuse and violence and all that. This is all stuff that us as sex industry know. They also make up our minority. Yeah, you know, right. it's less than, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's like 12 or 8% of the sex industry. You know, just because they're our most visible um, and vulnerable doesn't make them you know, our whole collective, no. you know, we have so many different types of sex workers yeah. and most of us, no one would be able to even point us, like pick us out of a crowd. Yeah. And yet why should it be secret at the same time? I love your attitude mm-hmm. about, you know, telling people you're a prostitute, I guess. Why not? Yeah. There are, there are many other, you know, occupations I can think of that are less ethical, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least mine's like very, very honest. At least we know what's going on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you're not stealing people's pensions, for God's sake. Uh, No. Um, Do you have a boyfriend? Uh, Yes. Oh, great. Okay, wow. Um, Can you tell me anything about him? Like, I think to myself, is he also in the industry or... um, does he work with you somehow? Yeah, no, no. Okay. Um, we have a, a very normal relationship. He has his own job um, in another industry, in a, a normal, <laughs> yeah. socially acceptable industry. Um, and our relationship works absolutely no different. Um, he understands that my work is my work. It's my career. Um, you know, I love my industry. I certainly hold the belief that I would never um, leave my industry for a man you know, and, and any man that wants to be with me, they have to understand that sex work is, is work and it's, you know, and it's, and ultimately as much as it is part of my sexuality, it's not me sharing my intimacy, yeah. you know, or, or 
cheating or anything like that. It's it's normal. And, you know, the next question I'll get asked is, you know, are you monogamous? And yes, we, you know, we are in a monogamous relationship, even though I sleep with other men, because that's just it. it that's work. His friends and family, do they know? How, how are they with it? Um, well, some of them do, some of them don't. It's it's not something that um, we're particularly open because it's you've got to allow time for people to get to know me. As I, I find, you know, out in greater society, if it's a hairdresser or whatever, I can shock them, <laughs> you know, and that's fun. Mm. But when the relationship's important, I have to be aware that they probably think something stereotypical about my profession. And if they don't know me and find out I'm a prostitute, um, then there's a risk that they're going to write me off and not even give me time of day. So I like to, um, you know, wait until they know me before I will disclose my profession. And that seems to be the best. Mm. Mm. Everything seems to be working. Yeah. 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 I feel like I finally got it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it only took me to 32. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes everyone. You know, that's the thing. It's not like that's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, I'm 41 and I think, yeah, it took me at least into my early 30s to start to get my life together. And, mm. you know, I'm sure I was in a very similar place to the place you're in now. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Is there anything else I need to know and understand about prostitutes? Mm. about the sex industry, about sex workers, because I do not want to get in trouble again. (laughs) (laughs) I got in so much trouble last time for admitting that I was, that I, in the end, I found workers scary. I found, yeah, yeah, sex workers scary because a couple of times I really thought I was friends with someone and, and then my house got broken into. And it's just, so I found sex workers scary and I got in a lot of trouble for yeah. that. I think that's um, that's one of those side effects of, of stigma. The, yes. the sex workers that I know that have had times in their life when they've had to rob from me, mm-hmm. um, it's because they've had a bad client or their family has found out or their boyfriend has, you know, like lost it you know, finding out what she does and a massive crisis has happened, which has, you know, kind of forced that girl into acting in a, you know, fairly bad way. Mm. Um, So, you know, I I think that, you know, I don't like to see people as, you know, inherently good or evil. Yeah, you're right. You know, people are neutral and sometimes people do bad things. Yeah. And and living under the stigma, I mean, you know, we can still get evicted, you know, we can have crimes against us. You know, I've had personal people in, in, like people in my personal life come and be violent towards me once they've found out what I've done. And and that creates, you know, that just creates crisis and and, and desperate times. And that's why things like that happen. Now that you bring it up though, I feel my perception was that there was a lot more crisis involved in sex workers' lives. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I would agree with that, definitely. So when you're working with say 30 girls who are in and out of a brothel, there's going to be so many crises um, and chaotic lives. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. And I just think it all keeps coming back to the stigma because when okay. you can't, like for instance, you know, if we go to a bank and say, you know, I want to learn to buy this car, um, I'm a sex worker. Yeah. They say, uh, no, you know, whereas I could say this is my own business and I'm a hair and makeup artist and I get approved. And, wow. you know, so, so you can even show all that because you strike me as the kind of person who'd have a lot of documents, you know, mm-hmm. official and you'd have all your house in order financially. Yeah. So even then you can't go to the bank as a self-employed sex worker and mm-hmm. be approved for a loan. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And and banks still have this, um, this issue where they'll cut off, a, like they won't give us merchant facilities for our businesses. 
because wow. of what we do. And, you know, it's it's little things like that yeah. that impact on the daily so that we, you know, we sometimes we do have to go through and, and hide what we do and not be completely honest because we're just, we're dealing with this discrimination at a base level. Yes. And, you know, that's what adds chaos. Yes. You know, if we were able to, if I was able to speak openly about my career, you know, as if I was a receptionist, for instance, yep. my life would be so much more peaceful. Yep. You know, and I'd probably be very bored, but, yep. you know, yep. it's, um, that's the impact. Yeah. And so that's kind of why, you know, taking the time now to speak out publicly and try to break this, you know, stigma and stereotype, that's hopefully going to help the next generation of sex workers that are going to come through, regardless of what society tries to do to us. Yeah. You know, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. So let's help, you know, the younger people. You've definitely changed the environment in the last, what is it, 15 years or something since mm. I was around. Like. Mm. I, I can't recognize it. Yeah. And when I got in so much trouble, I was like, I was stunned because I thought prostitutes were secretive. And I had these people <laughs> just all over me telling me, you know, and, and I was like, wow, I, I suppose I probably thought I had a veil of protection because like prostitutes are never going to stand up in public and say, I don't like what you're saying about prostitutes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But and then no, all of a sudden you were and I was very like. loud. Yeah, and I was scared, but now I think it's really exciting. It's it's a really exciting world, and I look back mm. at the girls I worked with and think, um, I think you've changed you've changed the environment for mm. them. Yeah, for, and for girls coming yeah, up, exactly. And I, I hope that's what we continue to do because I mean, we got like in New South Wales, we um we were decriminalised in nineteen ninety four, so. Um, we should have been able to live openly yeah. since 1994, so for over 20 years. And that it's not like that at all. You know, we still have so much further to go. And I think now um, it's our role as, as sort of a, you know, more senior sex worker, it's um, our role now to try and start making friends with society. Because I think, yeah. you know, a lot of society sees us as the enemy, you know. Yeah. And I think that's just because we have been so quiet and invisible for so long that they don't know us, you know. Humans are... You know, we're made to fear what we don't understand. Oh, and what that's we what don't I always think know. about racism. It's like, you know, if you had a Muslim friend, you wouldn't be scared of Muslims. Yes, And exactly. yeah, if you, if you realized that that other mum at school was a sex worker and she, you, you know that she's a great mum and you know that you love running into her at pickup and all that kind of stuff, it yeah. would change your entire perception of the industry. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. Exactly. So that's why I'm, uh, that's why I'm speaking out and, and trying to stay away. Like a, a lot of sex workers will get triggered from when the, the media, and I remember what happened um, to you. I was actually one of the girls that wrote into you. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, they will often, you know, come up with hate speak and how dare you say that about us and you know nothing and, you know, you're horophobic. And, and that's annoying because that. I think I, I was a, in the industry for years, but I forget <laughs> that was 20 years ago, mind yeah. you. But I did think, oh, shut up, I did know what I'm talking about and <laughs> don't negate my experience and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it gets yeah. really heated really quickly. Yeah, exactly. And that's just because, you know, these are these are, are, are women and, and, and workers that have to deal with so much yep. crap on a daily basis that they're just, they're hurting and triggered and, and they're ready to jump to the defense. And yep. that's why I think, you know, like this movement's good because it's, it's a positive movement. It's about education. It's not about about telling people they're wrong it's about hey there's actually this other perspective here if yeah. everyone would like to look and I was just flippant and now I totally get that for for me to be on the ABC and saying that prostitutes are scary junkies <laughs> full stop <laughs> see you later yeah <laughs> right and yeah. now I get that at the time in that situation I just was insensitive and and didn't give it the gravity it deserved and mm. you know and I apologize wholeheartedly oh. for that and I really appreciate you 
helping me <laughs> and educating <laughs> me. I, I can't thank you enough because I don't want to hurt people. I'm a lover, not a hater, you know, yeah. and I, I do remember those days with so much affection. Yeah. You know, I, I loved, I mean, being in a girl's room in a brothel and I wrote this in my book. Unfortunately, I didn't say this bit on the radio, mm. but it was such a warm environment. It was yeah. such a, I mean, I'm, you know, I could even tear up now thinking about it. Just thinking, sitting with women and being with women yeah. for all those hours. It was a wonderful experience. Exactly. And it's not something that, you know, greater society really get to experience. Like being in the girls' room in a brothel, mm. there's so much sisterhood to yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and the new girl will come in and it's like we're all mamas yep. and, and we're nursing her through her first booking and how are you feeling now and, and what yeah. happens and you know, and we all get so intimate and the bonds are phenomenal, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I, some of my oldest, um, you know, strongest friendships are actually with girls that I, I met in the back room in a, in a yeah. brothel yeah. and it's, you know, it's, it's lovely. And I actually, I miss that part of brothel yeah. work because in, in private, yeah. you know, you don't you sit at home on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a whole new world, but you seem to be well and truly on top of it. Congratulations oh, on your you. successful life. Thank you. And thank you thank so you. much for helping me. No, thank you for giving us voices. So, you know, it's... Um, we should give you a plug good. as well, Madison. Oh. How can we find you if we want to book you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on um, madisonmessina.com.au or mm-hmm. on Twitter at Madison Messina. M-I-S-S-I-N-A. Not like the ice cream. I changed it. I didn't want to have any trademark issues when I picked it. I just thought, No, it's a good name. Good pick. Yeah. So. Thank you. No, thank you. You'll find more info about all of our guests at michellelaurie.com as well as a place to leave questions and feedback. There's also a link there to the website of Tenzin Choyil. He is the man behind the beautiful Tibetan music you've heard throughout the podcast. Thank you to Tim Mountford and Peter Laurie for editing help, but please know that the clunkiest edits are all mine. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee, conversations about the guts and the glory of life. Please subscribe to get them all on iTunes and go ahead and leave us a nice review if you feel so inclined. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.